Good evening, folks. Thanks for coming in and tuning in to our show. We almost forgot to press the live button. That's how much of a good conversation we were having. So it's a good thing I, I saw that button in the timer. Thank you, StreamYard, for putting a timer on your, your, your tool. So first of all, before we get into our guest tonight, we want to give uh, a big round of applause to our guest from last week, Name Cardinal, who came to on our show to kick off what is National Indigenous History Month. The responses and the conversation that has spurned and the responses from people in the comments left was amazing. So people who, who got to learn about a little bit of the indigenous culture and some of the issues that helped and hindered the process. Um, Name was able to educate us and you on how to, how to educate and showcase the historical importance of indigenous contributions to society and especially the game of hockey. As proud Canadians, we need to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge our indigenous history need to pay respect and need contributions, especially to the world of hockey. And of course, most of us collect hockey cards and the, the contribution to the culture of hockey itself. I said that a few times and I did that for a reason. I want to thank you all for tuning in, listening, leaving the comments. It meant a lot to us. It meant a lot to me and it meant a lot to Name. The Name and I were conversing throughout the week and I was giving him like, it's almost like a play-by-play -play saying, you know, we're up to 60 views. We're up to 75 views. We're at 100 views. And the comments were just mind-blowing. So I want to thank you all very much for watching the show, and I hope uh, you all learned from it. So, Kent, I'll let you do the excitement. Thank you, Amit. That was an awesome uh, intro uh, to our show for tonight. So um, I'm going to segue into our next guest for tonight's show, has been a featured guest on Women of the Hobby Show, is a huge Lakers fan, card collector, card investor, has dabbled with NBA Top Shot, and has admitted that she made a huge investing mistake when it came to collecting, which we'll get into a little later on the program. Uh, she has created her own channel called She Collects Cards to Inspire Other Female Collectors and to be a diverse voice in the hobby. So please welcome Hannah to the show. Hello. Hey, guys. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being on our show tonight. How's it going? Pretty good. Uh, sunny, sunny California. Um, but you know, just finished the day of work, and I'm excited to talk to you guys. Excellent. So now I mentioned earlier that you were a Lakers fan, a huge one at that. So having seen the Lakers being eliminated from the NBA playoffs this year, as a fan, what do you think was their downfall this year? It was uh, it was brutal, Kent. Um, I think it was a couple of days ago when uh, the game game I guess uh, six uh, just ended with a just terrible um, kind of finish. Yeah, I mean. I think what drove it is just a lack of um, mental strength and physical strength. Um, but I attribute a lot of it to the mental strength um, or mental weakness um, of the team. Obviously, we you know dealt with uh, injuries of our top two players, uh, both LeBron and AD, during regular season, which um, we haven't seen that happen with LeBron specifically before that long. And so that was concerning. And AD, we know that he has been injury prone all around his career. And so um, just thinking about how effective he would be coming back so late in the regular season and right. uh, building the chemistry back up with the team and getting back up physically healthy too, that was very questionable. Um, but, I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the Warriors-Lakers game uh, fighting for the seventh seed in the Western Conference Watching that game, I mean, we, yeah, we we came out on top, but that was purely, I think, LeBron's um, you know just practice of shooting threes behind yeah. behind the line. 
otherwise, I, I really think we didn't deserve the seventh place, uh, in my opinion. Um, but we ended up getting the game and going against the Phoenix Suns, uh, who were performing at their highest level with uh, a very high IQ leader, uh, Chris Paul. It was very, um, you know, kind of questionable for me, at least going in. But I had to believe in our Lakers um, and they were doing fantastic. We were up to one um, and it felt like they were going to, you know, kind of get the series, with, especially with CP3's um, shoulder injury and Booker not performing well games two and three. It, it seemed like we could we could catch up. Um, but I mean, the the injury, the re-injury of AD um, just detrimental uh, because without him, we're just like, you know, it's it's LeBron's ex-Cavaliers team, minus you don't have Kyrie, you don't have uh, Tristan Thompson, right? So it's even worse shape than that. Um, and then on top of that, some of the key, um, you know, players that we brought in this year, we who we thought were going to improve uh, our overall team chemistry and performance, like Dennis Schroeder, Marc Gasol, um, and these guys just didn't really show up. I think for games five and six, I believe um, there was like a, is it five and six or four and five? Anyways, the last two games, Schroeder, Marcus um, and Kyle Kuzma were like zero out of 19 in terms of field goals. Like, how do you expect to win a championship with, uh, you know, your starters uh, performing that way? So, yeah, no, um, I'm, yeah. I'm surprised by the way Kuzma played, actually. That was a bit surprising. Yeah. Um, so, Overall, very, very disappointed. Um, and to be honest, I was rooting for the Clippers to lose game seven against uh, the Mavericks. <laughs> you just can't stand, you know, living in L.A., being a Laker fan, you know, another L.A. basketball team, uh, you know, move on, advance. But uh, it happened, so it, I'm really sad about that. Uh, but anyways, overall, very disappointing, uh, I would say, as a Laker fan, especially coming back as a championship team. Right. And I do that there's going to be some some shakeups uh, this offseason uh, for the team. And did you want to give an explanation as to why you're wearing a Golden State shirt? Um, just because. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, I was wearing it because, um, yeah, I, I own the shirt. I, I probably, um, you know, although I don't call myself a Warriors fan, um, I live with someone who, who is a Warriors fan, uh, and, and, uh, you know, we have, you know, clothes and stuff like that. And, and huge Steph Curry fan though. Um, just the game that he brings as well as his character off the court. Uh, I, I really, uh, you know, appreciate, you know, him, uh, and his contribution to the community. So yeah, that's why I'm wearing Curry's t-shirt. Excellent. You can keep Marcus L. We, we got our championship. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, don't even get me started about Morgazal. Just terrible, um, terrible pickup, uh, pickup in my opinion. Harold, like Harold, was supposed to be like an upgrade for us from Javale and um, uh, Dwight Howard from last year. Um, I don't know what what was going on, but it, it, he just wasn't able to perform at all uh, during the first round. So, all right, Plus, we won't pour any more. Uh, yeah, no, the wounds. So. Let's just, let's just kind of move on, Kent. Move on. So let's get into uh, cards, just because why we have you here. Um, so were you a collector of cards as a kid? And at what point did you actually become a real collector? Yeah, sure. Um, I was not a uh, – I, I did not grow up collecting. Um, so as background, I 
I'm an immigrant. I was not born in, in the US, immigrated over here from uh, South Korea, uh, started middle school here actually. So I came pretty late as an immigrant's kid. So the culture, the American culture of collecting baseball cards and whatnot started very, you know, it was very foreign to me. Um, but I fell in love with basketball um, in my high school days and played basketball uh, for the high school that I went to, um, played other sports as well. But, you know, I grew up in Dallas and the Dallas Mavs uh, led by Dirk Nowitzki had some like crazy uh, runs. Like we never won championship until I think 20, uh, 2000, I guess eight or seven. But until then we were always making playoffs. So it was really fun to watch, uh, watch them play with like Jason Terry, all these guys and Avery, Avery Johnson as our head coach. I don't know if you guys remember him. Um, but yeah, so I, I got into basketball at an early age, I would say, but never, um, you know, really collected as a kid. Um, your second question was what, like, what, how did at I get into point, No, at what point did you become a full-time collector or, or a real collector? I see. I see. Yeah. Uh, I would, yeah. I mean, maybe like, uh, 2021, uh, or 2020, sorry. I'm like mixing up years last mean. year. Um, Sorry. Uh, so when Kobe passed away unexpectedly, I think just before the COVID lockdowns happened here in North America, it was very sad um, being a huge Laker fan. But before that, I, I was a big Kobe fan first uh, and foremost. And so just hearing about his uh, death uh, unexpectedly, I was I remember I was at the Hobby Airport in Houston uh, when I saw the news just all turn to right. you know, breaking news around me, it was very surreal. And um, for probably a couple of days after that event, as many of you probably did, Kobe fans out there, I was just kind of pondering about life, like wow, like how short it is, how you know we live with such um, you know like promises that we don't have, right? That like guarantees that we think that there's going to be a tomorrow, but there could not be, and it happened to our favorite player. Um, so. At that point, I like kind of looked through my uh, sort of you know collection, and I, was, I thought, well, I actually don't own anything of Kobe's outside of like these two jerseys that I had of his. And so I went immediately went to StockX and looked up uh, Kobe Kobe's like the shoes, and they were like soaring at six seven hundred dollars uh, for like a Kobe nines or something like that. I'm like, okay, that's a little bit uh, out of my budget. But my good friend, uh, Brian, who's been collecting for about a year at that point, he was like, you should go buy a Kobe rookie card. I was like, uh, how do I do that? I was like, just go look it up on eBay. There should mm -hmm. be one uh, ending an auction in a few minutes. So I looked it up and bought my first card of Kobe uh, Tops rookie card, a PSA 9 rookie card, and bought a couple of them and just kind of kept it uh, as sort of like a memory, right? Like a mem uh, memorabilia uh, of my favorite player. And then I think three weeks later, that card price went up to $600 each. I bought it for $200 each. And the investor in me just kind of lit up in a sense. And what, what actually triples in this world in such a short amount of time? And I know that we were at a such unique time period, but at that time, I didn't know that. I thought all sports cards was like that. So I immediately just kind of started researching um, what kind of cards are out there, what is important, who makes these cards, who grades them, where can I buy them for cheap and things like that. And I uh, have seen a huge um, sort of uh, profits uh, last year. Um, and I and I give all the contribution to 
Brian, my, my really good friend, as well as like the friends that I've made in this community who have pointed me to the right direction whenever I needed um, to make the right choices in, in purchasing cards and selling cards as well. So yeah, that's long-winded way of saying I started last year. <laughs> so so being a recent... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Being a, being a recent collector then, so when you open boxes, um, what's the thrill for you? Is it finding the top rookies, pulling inserts, or getting like a chase card, like a case hit? Yeah, um, it's funny. I think this is the um, advantage of being a female collector. Um, mm -hmm. We're logical. Uh, <laughs> as in, I'm not like dissing the other gender, but um, we're able to... Uh, hold to our logics a little bit better, I think, and be less emotional about what's in front of us. And so primarily when I break, I don't like break until I find that one card or whatever. I just break and I'm just constantly calculating, okay, I bought this box for $1,500. Okay, we're at a breaking even, amazing. Anything on top, we're um, you know playing with house money, great. Um, and that that's really, that goes into my head. I, I've never really pulled a card that I was like, this is it, like, this is what I was looking for. I mean, we did pull a Josh Hart uh, Prism Rookie one of one. Didn't mm -hmm. even know how special that card was until we got it. And like, what do we do with this? Should we contact Josh Hart, ask if he wants it? Like, that was really the end of the conversation. We didn't really like go like, oh my God, like I want more of that thrill or whatever, so yeah. Excellent. Um, so I have to ask, so being an Asian card collector like ourselves on the screen, the three of us, do your parents know that you collect cards and what do they think about your card collecting hobby and the amount of money being put into cards? Well, they don't know. The they don't know? <laughs> I think that's, that'll be, uh, not good for their health. Um, <laughs> but what, what do they think about me collecting and, and this YouTube channel as well? They think it's like cool that I'm sort of diversifying, you know, how I spend my time. And also they can see that I, I, I'm very happy doing this kind of stuff. Um, so they're in general, very supportive. Uh, they are sometimes like the typical Asian parents that you can imagine, like go do your homework, you know, what is this, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. But um, they're also very, um, I think, open-minded, which brought us, I think, to, um, North America or the United States um, is that they're very open uh, for, for new things, trying out new things. So I think they're in general very supportive, but at the end of the day, they're not giving me the money. So they don't have a say. <laughs> However, as children, and if you were collecting when you were a lot younger, the game is oh so different when you have Asian parents. You're like, you want to, you want to do what? You want to go put a nickel on this piece of paper? I can print you paper. You know, I print. I'll go to a photocopier and I'll print this stuff. You know. The thing about Asian parents, though, I was talking to Raymond from Asian Cards about this. The okay. thing about Asian parents is, as long as you sit down with them and show them the ROI, yes, they're sold. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. If it's like across all Asian cultures, but like Chinese, Eastern, Eastern uh, Asian uh, culture is like. You sit them down, you're like, hey, you gave me $5,000 on this date, and guess what they're valued at right now if I sold all the cards today is this. They're like, okay, how much more money can I give you, right? Um, so it's, um, I think there needs to be a little bit more like maybe open communication with your parents. And actually I've seen um, at shows here, um, like college students, high school kids of different culture, but um, 
you know, like Jewish families I've seen, uh, Persian families I've seen where the kids are the face of that, uh, of the table, but you can see like mom and dad or, you know, uncle and dad, like behind them handling all the cash transactions and whatnot. And you can tell it's a, it's a family business at that point, right? So I, I can tell you that my mom believes in the cards that I have, but my dad's still skeptical. He still tells me if I can string tofu and bring it to market, then come talk to him. <laughs> my my parents, they understood how much of a passion it was for me. Uh, my wife was not a collector. It wasn't until we saw, and I told you this earlier, when she saw the show and the news, what's happening, and Patrick Bet David was talking about, you know, he's selling the Gretzky cards, and my wife was like, Oh my God! Like you're collecting all these things. I'm like, I told you, this is what I'm doing. This is this is. There's a method to my madness. Um, but right. she totally supported me the whole way. Uh, she's not a huge sports fan, but she's totally supported me, and she understands what I'm doing now on a moral level. My parents do for sure. Uh, I want to quickly awesome. say hello to a couple of people that have joined. So Dennis, uh, hello Dennis, thanks for joining. Josh Packham, thanks for joining as well. Yes, the show will be great. We have Sports Cars Live. Jeremy, yes, thank you very much for joining. And our good friend Yannick, and there's a few other people. I'm sure it'll comment a little later on. So we want to we, we don't want to dwell too much on the Asian uh, parents because we want to get into more cooler stories and talk about ourselves a little more. So we'll do that here. I want to talk about you know your channel. She collects cards. What made you want to do this? What did you want to get out of it? And and like what do you want your audience to know about the current and future future current and future viewers who watch your show? Yeah. Um... Thanks for that question. I should probably ask myself that question a little bit more uh, frequently. Uh, how I started it, it was really out of like just a joke or like, you know, a couple of people like nudging like you should start a channel because you're literally the only girl that I know um, that who collects and with your background and like analytics and finance, maybe you can give like some investing like strategy tips, right? Or whatever. And at, at first I was like, no, there's no way I'm going to record and like put it up on the internet like why would i do that but got a couple more feedbacks actually and and encouraged me to do that and so um i just posted a couple videos and saw where it went and it actually you know thankfully um and i know sort of these og followers were you know really vocal about like my channel and like getting other people to watch it and whatnot and that really kept the ball rolling rolling and then from there really it's been just like kind of ideating um out of my own uh, investment strategies like what am i doing right now oh, i should probably summarize my what i'm thinking through like what are some of the uh, frameworks that i'm thinking about when i buy certain cars and then posting that onto uh, my video and like i like swear by this like i don't pump and dump or whatever like i just really just talk about my own experiences and so sometimes you know for example like something some, a big event happens and you see like 20 content creators produce the same exact thing about the same topic, which can get pretty redundant. Like I wouldn't like that as a viewer. So I try not to like jump on like the latest and greatest kind of thing. Um, minus NBA top set. We can talk about that a bit later. Um, but um, unless I like actually believe it or actually have bought into it myself, um, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable sharing that. And, and yeah. And, eventually I got like really good feedback from females. Like I, I would get women collectors who reach out to me. I would say like when I started the channel back in June last year, 
it was maybe like one person per month who came out and said, hey, I'm a girl too, and I actually collect, but I, I've been a closet uh, collector because there's no one else like me out there, but I'm really encouraged by you. But then it slowly became like two, five, ten, and now I get like stories all the time whenever I'm at shows because it's still a minority thing, right, for females to be um, collecting or like no knowledgeable about the sports card market. And so um, they would say like, oh, my wife and I watch your videos together. Uh, my girlfriend bought her first uh, Luca card because she was she watched your video and, and you know understood that it wasn't just a fluke uh, in a sense that men kind of participate in. So that that gives me a lot of joy in that sense and like you know sense of accomplishment. And also another thing is you know I'm, I'm an Asian female, right? I'm not a Caucasian female, which we're very familiar uh, in seeing on YouTube uh, for uh, hobby content is Caucasian male. I would say it's like the most dominant. Then after that is any other male. And then after that is, you know, female slash Asian. It, it's just a very underrepresented group right now, even still. And so, um, you know, like anything I can do to bring in those flavors, like um, collect Asian uh, sports players, right? Like collect Asian soccer players, uh, basketball players. That, that's what I have to do. And that's what I love doing, collecting U.S. women soccer players, Um and I, I, I just gained so much joy out of that. And so it's been a journey, certainly, um, but I don't really have a target or a goal uh, around this channel. Like, I love what I do um, every single day. Um, and I'll be very honest with you guys, like, if I didn't love it, I shouldn't be doing it because uh, I just, it's not worth my time. But I'm willing to kind of put in the sacrifices in the other parts of my life to do this because it, it is an outlet, uh, certainly for me. And, you know, I... I the adrenaline rush as well as like I'm able to be a happier you know colleague a happier wife or whatever like because of this hobby that I, I, I partake in so um don't really have a goal I would say it's my goal is just uh infinite like I, there's nothing really set wherever you guys want to take this to like the audience we'll, we'll go there um and see where it goes so. I love the fact that you have the analytics background. It's a very programmatic. I, I come from a project manager background, which is very programmatic. Kent comes from a, a different background, which is also programmatic. You know, we do this for fun. So actually, Kent and I don't even have a goal really for this either, other than, as we mentioned earlier, we want to really showcase the diversity and inclusivity in the hobby. So yeah. we want to put that social footprint out there to inspire other women, inspire people of color, um south asian asian whatever may have you that you know there is a there is an outlet for you and if this is and we can show that we're doing it you can come and we'll help you along that journey um there's a couple exactly. of people with, yep there's a couple of people we talked to peter pacman we had on here uh susan Lajedai earlier uh, you know just we're hoping that the story gets out there and people appreciate it and you're doing an immensely good job doing that so please continue what you do hannah um i love it thank you so in a lot of your content, and I, I smile as I, I mentioned this question. Um, actually, I'll ask you one question before this one. It hasn't even been a year, right? You said June last year. It's been a year exactly since you started? February. February last year. Uh, or the channel I, I started in June, I think. So June. So it's it's a calendar year roughly, right? Depending on when you started. Right. Your, the response and then subscribership I've seen on your channel and the response you get and the, the feedback, like, it's been amazing. Like, how, how do you feel about that? Like, it's been a very positive experience, I can tell. So can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, um, I mean, overwhelmed. Um, I, I think I mentioned in in like the fifteen hundred subscriber video. Um, like I, I like I have nothing but gratitude. Like, why would someone um, kind of tune in to like these 10, 12 minute videos um, of some random person they don't know, especially a girl, especially uh, a non Caucasian girl, talk uh, with like very low quality production, right? Like I don't have like CGs going out in the back. I don't have like the nicest cameras uh, with me. Like why would they do that? And I'm just very thankful. And it get, gives me affirmation that I, I must be doing something right. And, you know, a, a lot of the analytical videos that I bring, the flavors that I bring, I leverage that based on my learnings. And so I'm like open book. I don't try to hide my mistakes. Um, I want, people to know, you know, discussions that uh, happen behind the scenes, especially that's been a, a focus area for me where I go and interview uh, other folks or even share my own personal experience of, you know, aspects of the hobby that are not talked about. Like, you know, if you just watch top five YouTube videos about the hobby, like it, it sounds all great. It only looks great, but there are scams happening. There are people losing like literally tens and thousands of dollars. There are people who are losing their jobs because of this. There are people who are like so stressed out that they can't sleep because of it. Um, I mean, those are only negative things I mentioned, but like it's not widely talked about, right? And so covering those stories, um, hopefully giving a, a diverse uh, perspective about the hobby, I think will be very important. And then that's why I dabble into, I, I'm not afraid to dabble into like new uncharted territories like F1. U.S. women's soccer, you know, NBA top shot. Like I, I want to know and learn about those things so that someone who's watching the video don't have to make the mistake that I make as a, you know, early adopter or whatever, and can kind of, you know, we can all share together um, how to win, you know, win-win, I guess, together versus I take all the credit, I get all the you know, low-hanging fruits. And then after that, like, hey, you guys go do do what I did, but it, like doesn't work. Like that's that's a scam. That's a scam. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm just like fully grateful for it. Uh, but one thing I do want to point out, like, and, and, you know, you guys probably feel this as content creators is like, it's a lot of, uh, work behind the scene. I don't just pop up a camera and I just start talking. I'm not, I'm not a natural like that. I, I am a intro uh, extroverted introvert. And so, uh, it takes a lot of effort, a lot of ideating. Um, even if I'm not in front of a computer, I'm probably thinking through like, how do I best deliver certain messages and things like that? Um, and yeah, I don't get paid for it. So uh, it's pretty much literally like passion work. Um, the, you know, like, yeah, people are like, oh, but you get, you, you monetize on YouTube. Like it's pennies compared to the amount of hours and work that we put mm -hmm. into this um, on top of the other duties and responsibilities that we have um, in life. So um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm just really thankful uh, for the opportunities. I'm sure we'll be talking in a year and it'll be at 3000 subs. So I can't wait to talk to you about that. So yes. you're going to be talking, I'm going to bring up a point that resonates to me and not because of my heritage. It's just, it's just a general thing, but the whole buy low, sell high, which really speaks volumes to Asian and South Asians like us, but let's keep it in a, in a, in a very sensical way. So why don't you talk about how you, uh, implore, uh, sorry, how you employ that methodology and how you explain to people that's an and what are the rules of thumb to follow in going down that journey? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I, I say buy, buy low, sell high a lot. Um, and I think that's the number one principle for any kind of investment, uh, any kind of purchases that you want to kind of grow in, in valuation. 
And that really came, you know, like the lessons and the learnings um, and some of the things that I talk about really started from the stock market for me, uh, made a ton of mistakes. I bought too many options of, you know, companies that I won't mention that um, didn't turn out well. But certainly, um, you know, I think I was very fortunate to, um, you know, delve in tech uh, earlier on in my career. Um, and being an employee of those companies, you are rewarded with a stocks quite and employee options as well, um, quite um, generously. And so seeing those grow, um, you know, you get a sense of like, hey, maybe it doesn't make sense to get paid everything in cash and just put it into savings, but, you know, make it grow uh, over time. And granted, like, of course, anything can happen with that. Um, but, you know, as long as the market exists, as long as there's no, you know, world, uh, worldwide war or whatever, like, you know, it might not be a bad place to kind of put that into and, um, you know, made a lot of mistakes along the way and whatnot. But one big lesson that I've learned in, in the, you know, 10 plus years of investing is when market, you know, dips 10%, 20%, 30%, whatever, um, it, you never want to be caught with your pants down, meaning like you never want to be so exposed that literally it's eating you alive as the, as the value goes down. But rather you want to be in a position where, you always, and this is just me, and you don't have to follow it. Whoever listen listens to this, I always try to, you know, have cash ready uh, so that I have bullets to fire when it's time to. And so, let's say the market drops ten percent, and at that point, if my assessment is like, it'll probably like stay around here, but there is potential that it may go down a little bit more. But I'm okay with taking that risk. I put it, I double down, right? And let's say it goes down twenty percent. You're like. I have the cash for it uh, and, and I'm in a position to shoot more bullets, then I buy another round of options because you're essentially reducing down your cost bases uh, at the overall level. And of course, and I talk about this in my video, the human psychology, uh, the natural default human psychology at those points is like panic, right? You're like, oh, I should yeah. sell before I lose more money. But that's the that's how the market operates and that's how we were kind of, you know, engraved to to react. And the whole, like, it's so simple at the end of the day. I mean, I'm not Warren Buffett, I'm, I'm nobody. <laughs> but like, I constantly think about what is my default behavior and try to go against it because the default behavior is what drives the market, like 80, 90% of uh, the people in it. But it's really those who can be patient, uh, be as logical as you can um, and make you know decisions that you're okay with, meaning like, if you lost everything tomorrow, like, are you like, yeah, of course I'd be like, ah, dang it, but I'm not gonna like go into depression about it. You know, that you are exposed in a healthy way. Like if you have that, like, I I, I think it's really hard to lose it in that aspect um, and, and like kind of wait for those buying opportunities. Literally, like it's like walking into Nordstrom and there is a 40% annual sale. Why wouldn't you buy you know, an item that you've been eyeing on forever, right? Um, because like, it, like I, I think conceptually, like people mistake, like, yeah, like when there's a discount, you should buy it then, not when it's at all time high. But the natural psychology of human is FOMO, fear of missing out when it's super expensive. And then when there's like a, you know, decline, you're like, you know, panic sell, like you're panicking. You don't, you want to mitigate your losses, but that's really not how um, the, the top one percenters think, so. Totally. And I think the other uh, angle to add to that is um, not everyone's 
uh, double down and putting in other assets, but that only their asset class. Usually, the asset class is diversified, so it's a portion that you're playing with, not everything. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's another fellow that we know quite well, Brian Gray, who says never buy when people are greedy. So there's there's a there's a, a very popular saying there. I want to first say hi to Fresh Bread Sports Guards. He loves Topps Chrome F1. So there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Lin is asking if Jeremy Lin, sorry, Josh Packman is asking if Jeremy Lin is still collected. I do not know. I'm not a basketball player. If any of you two know, please let me know. I'm not sure, actually. I probably don't think so. I um, yeah, probably not so much. And then uh, Chris Burak says, Howdy, everyone. So thanks for joining the channel. So thank you for that little education on the financial wherewithal. We could probably spend a whole show on that, but that's what everyone can go to your channel to learn. So I'm not going to make Hannah regurgitate all that here. So we have a few uh, sidekicks and friends that, you know, kind of join you on your show. You have uh, Steph and Christy. So give us the backstory on who they are. Did they collect because of you and how are they collectors? Like what is the, who is Steph and Christy? Sure. Um, wow, I didn't get their permission to blast them, but whatever, <laughs> I'll do it. Um, yeah, so Steph and Christy are my best friends. Um, Christy, I met in high school. Um, we were, um, you know, calculus BC buddies where we were just studying uh, nights and days about those exams um, at, at her house and at Barnes and Nobles around Plano, Texas. Um, so, yeah, we go all the way back to basically when we were 16, 17. And Christy or Stephanie uh, is my college uh, friend. We met in college. Didn't have like the most pleasant uh, interaction, first interaction, but we became best friends. And uh, and Steph and Christy actually met through me uh, when I was interning out here in LA. Um, but they became uh, best friends as well and lived together for years in Culver City. And we're still, um, you know, just really, really, really close. And I'm very thankful uh, for that relationship and that friendship. I think. They both went to Cabo last week without me, so I'm a little bit wow. uh, bummed about that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, they actually don't break. Um, they solely do, uh, you know, breaks or talk about cards when I ask them to and I beg them to. Um, and I was able to uh, convince them to go to the Dallas card show with me. Uh, that happened a couple of weeks ago because we're all from Dallas, so it was you know a homecoming right, right. for. And like an opportunity to see see our parents and whatnot, so you know it made sense to go together. And they helped me film. Uh, very expensive labor that I did not pay them for. <laughs> they're both uh, very uh, established in their careers, and they're both very busy with their career, their lives, their marriages, their you know their businesses as well. But uh, I'm very thankful to have them uh, help me film and um, just have a good time together. Um, but yeah, they're not breakers. But one fun fact is Christy, um, who lives in LA, uh, her boyfriend uh, is Brian, uh, who got me into the hobby. So oh, we're all very yeah. Okay. Yeah. right, right. So she is very used to seeing cards uh, all around the house and whatnot. Um, but she herself doesn't really like break or anything like that. So, so I, I take it Brian gets more excited when he gets a big hit than Christy. Of course, yeah. He's, he's the one screaming and yelling in the back, and we're like, okay, I guess it's a good card because he's screaming. <laughs> so let me ask you this question. When it's mail day, do you or your husband get excited? Oh, me. Yeah, that, that's me in the house. Um, he's like, hey, you got mail, and like, it comes with like boxes. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a box. Um, yeah, it's absolutely me. 
he's not really really into cards he he's a you know he's he's an investor as well but he he does his own stuff so this is my baby awesome nice. so can't you get to ask some uh interesting questions around the nba top shot i'll let you take that since you know more about that than i do i i do i don't know about that i think well, Hannah, I think you do because i sure as hell don't so, so Hannah, you did a post on NBA Top Shot, you know, and there was like mixed feedback because people weren't sure what it was all about. Can you let us know from your point of view uh, why you are a proponent of NFTs and your thoughts on NBA Top Shot itself? Yeah, uh, loaded question. Um, so just to walk uh, a little bit backwards. So I sure. got uh, the opportunity to learn about NBA Top Shot through a friend. And this is why like, friendships and relationship i think is so important mm -hmm. he you know like i i lost touch with him pretty much for a couple of years um he went to usc and i lived uh with some people at usc during my internship here um and met him then but randomly out of nowhere he instagram dm me um and asked like hey is this you uh, about my channel uh this is back in december of last year so december 2020 so hey, is this you? And I, I was like very embarrassed. And I was like, yeah, it's me. you found me. Can you not tell anyone or whatnot? But he was like, actually, he's uh, working for a company called NBA Top Shot uh, or Dapper Labs, where they're partnering with NBA right. uh, to produce like NFTs. And I was like, what the heck is NFT? He's like, oh, these are like basically like um, digital currencies, uh, but non-fungible tokens, etc. So he like threw me like a couple links to like read over. And at that time, there was only like, I would say two prominent articles that like actually understood what an NFT was. And I was reading through that, obviously going through the Dapper Labs uh, FAQ page, understanding what this exactly is. And um, yeah, and he was like, we're actually looking for small like micro influencers to do like introductory videos about NBA Top Shot uh, so that they can go to market with it. And so it was very like, hey, can you make a couple of videos and we give you mm. some Dapper credit? Like very little type of credits. It's not you, you like it's not what people are thinking that. Oh, but you get paid by right. you know you need you have to say that. I'm like, I wish I wish they paid me. Uh, like in in um you know moments, but yeah. So that's really how it got started. And I was I'm always looking for content to create to differentiate um from other channels. So I was like, hey, maybe this is something that I can dabble on. So I made I think one video, literally one video right after christmas so it probably got released early january i need to check the date on on that but it, it literally blew up blew up like out of nowhere i think mark cuban like spoke about it once and then like uh gary v might have like said something and then right. now everyone is trying to get into nba top 10 and i can't even log in to like open the packs that i bought so like, what's going on like all and when i joined uh you know nba top shot it, it was like you can get whatever packs you want like four dollars yeah. And I'm like buying it with the credits that they gave me. I opened some. I didn't open some. Like it's just very like low key. Like it's, it literally blew up like like a rocket would. And um, obviously made a couple of videos about like pack opening and some of, some of the criticisms like oh how come you get a pack you're probably sponsored sponsored that's why I'm actually not uh, sponsored by uh, Top Shot. I think I got lucky like those two times out of like the 10 times that they uh, release or maybe my internet's just really fast. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, so, and then, so that's the background of like how I got right. into NBA. Um, and here's my take on it. One, I'm not like, it's, it's like those guys who got into basketball cards 10 years ago. Like 
like bought LeBron cards for 20, 30 bucks. It's like the amount of money that I put into this, mm -hmm. it's meaningless. Uh, and so what the gains that I've seen after the market crash uh, that it's in right now, I'm cool with that, right? And it's like, I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to go buy more probably. I'm just going to keep it and see where it goes, right? So that that's uh, where I am in terms of like my current strategy or whatever. Um, and I am still getting in line for these pack drops because they're $9 each, why not? Like, um, so that's kind of the stance that I'm taking. But in terms of like NFT in general, like I'm very bullish. Uh, but whether I'm gonna do something about that right now and be like an early, 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 early adopter, probably not. Like I, I don't need to take that much risk right now. You know what I mean? And so. I'm bullish on NFT. Um, like I do think that it's the future where like um, it's it's really going to revolutionize how we transact. First of all, how we um, kind of keep track of things. It, it's I mean you can probably go watch millions of videos and you know read articles about this, but I do think that you know like just 10, 20 years ago when you told when you told people uh, when you tell people back then like I don't know like oh, a, a car is going to drive itself. Like, you're going to be like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, maybe the technology will be there, but are the regu regulators going to allow that? Like, blah, blah. Are people actually going to feel safe doing that? Okay, like, fast forward 20 years, who doesn't like a Tesla right now, right? Like, I mean, I don't like what it symbolizes, certainly, and I don't own one of a Tesla driver, but, like, the idea of it is amazing. Like, you don't have to really commute. You can work in the car. You can do other stuff. Um, right. And like there are more cars developing that like it's it's happening and no matter what you say about it it's happening right and so that's how i feel about nft that it's happening it's going to happen we can't avoid it there's going to be a day where we're not going to be carrying around dollar bills but maybe these will become memorabilia um, <laughs> and it'll be a lot of you know crypto uh, uh currencies and coins and tokens that's going to be used to transact because transaction is going to be there always right back in like the uh hunters and gatherer days too we transacted with salt because it was uh scarce right transact with rice other grains like that's how i mean um, these are all asian references because that's totally. where but yeah like transaction is always going to happen with what that's what's going to change and i do think that uh a, a decentralized uh, uh, way of uh, kind of keeping up with like this quote unquote currency is going to come, whether that's going to come in 10 years, 20 years, it's going to come. Uh, but I don't necessarily have to go buy up every NFT right now because there's going to be a crash. There will be ups and downs. That's, hey, welcome to being an early adopter. Um, but I will be keeping my eyes close to it. And one methodology that I, I talked about in my video is like, you know, whatever amount that is, like for me, it may be like $500, right? Where like every month I just kind of put it in to like these, you know, innovative things, see where it goes, right? And don't really bank on it to become the next billionaire or whatever. Just see where it goes, right? Um, and and go from there. So that that's that's my, um, I guess, answer for NFT. I think the one thing though, which has it going for it is the traceability factor from a government taxation perspective. So I think they won't let it die from that point of view because cash is not something that's easily traceable. So there is some of that element to it. I think that, you know, there will be some regulation because it allows them to trace it a little bit more. So there's that as well. We have a couple of comments as well here. Yeah, Kurt Miller just joined. 
Hello, card killer. And an R90, you must know you. Says, hey, Hannah, friend of your neighbor, Sam. Doug, the Sapphire F1 break. Every time you hit a car, I felt horrible. <laughs> hey, R90, I, I talked to Sam about you. I was like, hey, like I think this guy knows you, and I and, um, hope to see you at the National. <laughs> and then we have uh, Fresh Bread is talking about the evolution. He's talking about crypto. So um, totally appreciate your thoughts on crypto, and I look forward to, to listening to you more on crypto. Sorry, Kent, I lost track of where we are. I think it's still you. Uh, I haven't lost track, but we're good. <laughs> so, so for those that haven't watched uh, your past videos, there was one video where you talked about a mistake that resonates with so many collectors out there, which many of us can relate to. Can you recount for us and our audience about the $10,000 mistake? Yeah, I think it was a little bit over $10,000 at that point, but I had to round it down for YouTube you know, reasons. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, Essentially, uh, this was summer last year when soccer was out of nowhere heating up. Oh, like, yeah, right. Oh, right. My God, like now it's time to go buy soccer. It's the next basketball. And um, yeah, I remember like I was meeting up with people here around LA, like paying thousands of dollars in cash, like for a 2014 World Cup uh, Ronaldo, because that's the first World Cup set that Panini produced. And that's going to be the rookie card. And so, like, I bought up so many of Ronaldo, Messi, um, and Mbappe as well uh, of their World Cup cards because I felt like, what better cards than a World Cup card? Sure, yeah, um, sure enough, uh, that ship came crashing because, one, that is absolutely not uh, Panini's first year of uh, World Cup cards. Um, but for some reason, it was that's how it was kind of started. And then two, there's a huge um, debate, and I don't think it's no longer a debate, where um, there are stickers. So, um, right, yes. But stickers that existed way, way, way before soccer cards were made. And so all the European hardcore collectors came out and they're like, this is stupid. These are not rookie cards. Uh, they're just like Ronaldo's 12th year card. They shouldn't be worth this much. Started you know, crashing down like day by day. And I ended up at a spot where I think I put in maybe like 20K into soccer and I was down to 10. Um, and yeah, and like huge, huge lessons learned there for sure. Like without that, I think I would have been very arrogant uh, and like would have like been so, you know, cocky about like my success rates and hit rates. But yeah, like, like that made me realize like I absolutely, absolutely have to do my own research. I can't just go buy a 2014 World Cup card because everybody else is like that is not not you know encouraged do your research is this truly a rookie card and if not if it's not a rookie card do you know that it's not a rookie card before you buy it um and things like that so um very very painful exercise but i've also uh, found different ways to find out if it's a rookie card instead of like searching it all over blowout uh, forum you can actually go to psa's website um uh, type in the name of the player and then the very first set that comes up at the top, that's your rookie set. <laughs> like, uh, it, that's how easy it is to find out if it's a rookie or not. Um, but I, I didn't have that knowledge or that kind of, you know, wisdom back then. But lesson learned. But st hey, but and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that was the last mistake I made. I have made a ton, ton more since then. And, oh, and that's, I, I, yeah. we all have. Go ahead and give me. Oh, we've made mistakes. I make mistakes oh, yeah. daily. Sometimes sure. I make mistakes on purpose because I just want to do it. Anyway, that's a whole different problem. <laughs> uh, thanks for sharing that uh, story, Hannah. Appreciate that. Um, 
So as you know, and this is a, a big thing from I meeting and myself, and one of the reasons why we created this channel is, um, you know, our show focuses in on diversity, inclusivity, genuine people such as yourself. Uh, what are some of the things you're doing to empower more women in the hobby to collect? And have you yourself seen an uptick with more women collectors coming out? Yeah, uh, that's a very, very good topic. Uh, so thanks for bringing that up. What I'm doing is what I can do best is just to be active, um, be kind, um, and be gracious to both male and female collectors that come, you know, that we, we come into interaction um, and be an example that, you know, women, first of all, can collect cards, period. Uh, to women, sometimes, uh, are better uh, than men in when it comes to like the analytical side of things and being uh, more patient, uh, not coming in with ego, but really respecting the opportunity and respecting the conversation that we have, especially when deal making. I'm not like aggressive, like pushing it. Like, of course, like I know those tactics. I, I absolutely know it, but I don't necessarily use it because I don't want to, you know, represent uh, the female collectors and, and say like, this is how all, all females are, right? And so just really doing the best I can in my daily interactions, whether it's on uh, Instagram or um, Discord or even in person as well. Um, and then for, you know, those who are on Instagram, we have a female uh, only, we call them, we call the group Hobbistas, um, led by really, really good leaders um, and mentors in uh, the industry. So Christina from Car Ladder is one. Um, and we also have uh, Ty uh, from, uh, she's a store owner uh, at the bullpen here in LA, who've been in this game for so long. And, you know, like so much respect for them that even in the midst of their busy days of like, you know, running a startup to running a, you know, uh, a shop, that they spend the time to like educate, to bring up topics. Um, that's very important to us. And to kind of ideate together, like, how can we raise our voice not just for the sake of raising woman voice but essentially bringing in a different perspective a different color right like i'm pretty sure before you know sam who i know you guys are speaking to soon from woman of the hobby came out and said um she collects uh you know um Sim simon is that uh, i don't know if i'm butchering her name but she's the u.s olympics um uh, gymnastics player that she collects that player i'm pretty sure no one knew about that Simone Biles, I think it is. Yeah, Simone Biles. Like, things like that, like, I, like, us coming out and, like, publicly, like, I, I'm not, like, a very, actually, public person, but I have to come out and say, I collect women's soccer cards. Like, not because, like, I, I don't love them, but then, like, I want to, like, show support for women. I actually love U.S. women's soccer, especially, um, you know, like, I've been to uh, Vancouver for their 2016 World Cup. I attended uh, games there. Like I was so cool. I like had lunch at a spot and Abby was sitting like right across and I like just fell in love. Like and those things, like I have to come out and be vocal about it because the more we just talk about it and not like hide behind, you know, uh, another guy or like, you know, hide in, in the closet about it. It encourages future, whether it's like the younger generation or like other female collectors uh, out there to come out and be vocal as well and just be like who we are, like not be ashamed of what you do of your side hustle or side hobby um, and gain like a community um, of, of women who, you know, just like to have fun and we love sports all together. So that's very encouraging to hear. So thank you for that.
course. So I realize we're almost at the hour mark, and I know you have some mommy duties that you need to take care of. So I'll try not to take too much more of your time. Just be very um, honest with us at around the 60-minute mark that when you need to cut off. So um, I'm going to go to a couple of different questions here that I want to get to just before we, we uh, depart. Give me one yeah, second. Go for it. So you mentioned this already. So you're one of the few female uh, collectors to create content and let everyone know that women just are as knowledgeable as males when it comes to card collecting. What are your thoughts on how it started, what, how it started and where it is today? Um, I think that might be a similar question that, that we kind of talked about, but yeah, how it started just really tidbits from an encouragement from friends to do it, um, how it's going. I think it's going well. Uh, thanks to everyone uh, really for their support and their love. Um, and I'm always here to learn. I make a lot of mistakes, even in my videos, I say random things that is not even true. For example, yesterday, I think I said that Alban was demoted to F2 and somebody pointed out that's absolutely not the case. He's still in F1, but he's just a reserve, uh, for Red Bull, which is true. So I really appreciate those call outs. Um, and as we learn more about the hobby in general, as well as like, you know, the specifics down to like sports or, or players. So, yeah. So just a full transparency. So I had scrolled up in my list and I'd asked you the exact same question that just happened because I lost my track of thought again. No so for those listening on the podcast. You know being in, in a live uh, setting here. This is live. I asked a question twice. You can scrub it out later if you need to. So uh, Kent actually brought this up, but I'm going to ask a question. And it has I feel there's a comical story to it. So did you end up selling your house? I did. Oh, very good. <laughs> so give us a backstory yeah. on what this is all about, because Kent, you must know more about it than I do, because I have. I'm just asking the question. <laughs> it was more of an investing tip, I think, and then it was to maybe take that some of the funds from that and possibly put it into cards. I don't know if that happened or not. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I don't know what the process of selling a house in Canada looks like. Um, but unfortunately, it was not an all cash offer, meaning that we do have to wait for uh, escrow and like closing. Um, oh. So it did take some time, but um, thankfully it's done. Uh, what I have done with uh, the funds, nothing much, just holding it for now. Um, maybe go buy something else, maybe not, but I have not put it into cards yet. But maybe I'll see something at the National. Who knows? Well, so this actually brings us to another question, which is kind of related to your funds that you have available. What are your grail cards and your next few purchases going to look like? What are they going to be for? Yeah, uh, that's a very, very interesting question. I think a lot of people are probably thinking this too, but I um, definitely want to get into like one or two, if I get lucky two, uh, cards that are truly holy grail, meaning they would stand recession, they would stand wars, they mm -hmm. uh, perform better than inflation. I'm not like sitting here asking like my $500, $500 card to go to 500K, but really that it just kind of becomes like an art piece um, that maybe it gets held up in at MoMA like 10 years later, who knows? Like things like that is, is something that I would love to kind of get my hands on. And I mean, I'm gonna give you a very basic answer here. It has to be uh, for me, as a basketball fan, the 86 uh, Fleer Jordan PSA 10, um, like absolute, absolute beauty. Like you see that kind of 
you know, rainbow or what is it, red, blue, <clears throat> and then whites in the from like a mile away, you know that that's a Jordan card. Um, and so if I can upgrade to that card uh, at some point, that'd be amazing. Actually, right now is a great time to get that card right now, given where it is. I think it's down to like 200K-ish. Um, remember, it used to be uh, 700K. Uh, so uh, who knows? Um, but that would absolutely be a dream um, to, to have that in the collection. My wife would absolutely kill me if I sold this house to buy a Jordan card. I'm just going to say that for the record. So, honey, when you're watching, don't worry. All decisions are made equally. We'll have an equal spot to play. We'll do decisions making, making together. Nothing's ever sale. So, um, what advice would you give to female collectors who are just starting out in a hobby? Yeah, uh, very good question. Um, number one, don't be afraid. Uh, you know, you deserve a seat at the table just for being who you are. Um, and that's plain and simple. Like we're all equal one, one to one. So don't, don't be afraid. And number two is don't be discouraged. Um, there will be instances, you know, it happens to me probably more frequently than, than I would want where, you know, it goes from as like simple as you're addressed as, Hey man, Hey dude, Hey bro. Uh, what's up, man? Yeah, man. Like, that's like as simple as it gets to like as crazy as like they won't even talk to me at a show because I'm a female. Uh, that has happened uh, several occasions like where I was set up and people weren't talking to me. Like these are my cards, but they would lean on to someone else at the next table. Like, Hey, are these your cards? Like, like I'm literally standing right here um, to I'm walking around and I'm trying to, uh, you know, make deals, but you're not taken seriously because you know, just because of your appearance uh, and your gender, um, you're not even kind of given that opportunity, which is fine. I actually see those as like, hey, you're missing out, not me, you know? Uh, so um, yeah, don't be discouraged. That would be my second second sort of recommendation or whatever, yeah. That's awesome. So we're coming down to our last question. We made it to the hour mark. So we still get to do mommy duties. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Uh, I want to say on behalf of Kent and I, you're an inspiration. I'm so glad uh, that you came on the show. It's funny, so everyone watching, normally we do a practice session a few days before the show. We literally met Hannah for the first time at 20 minutes before the show. So, and it was awesome because I felt the synergy. We're, we're gonna get along great. You're a great person. You're genuine. You're exactly the type of person we want on this show. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to when we talk again and again and again. So Kent, you get to ask the last question this time. You go sure. For it. So this is a question we ask all of our guests towards the end of the show. So Hannah, what inspires you? Yeah, uh, world peace. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, what inspires me is to see others succeed. And I don't mean that like in the slightest bit like cliche. Um, I, you know, like have team members in, in my work and stuff and I'm all about servant leadership format where, you know, if I can help you, um, you know, reach your potential and be your best, use me. And, and that's what I always say. And that really motivates me to to be there like constantly and, and be present at work. And even at home, like I, I'm just looking for opportunities to make sure that I bring out the best of people um, just, you know, being there. And I think that attitude and mentality came really from my parents as well as, you know, key leaders and mentors that I've had earlier on in my life. 
who really, you know, gave it all um, so that they can see me pursue, they can see me fail, but be there to guide me uh, in getting back up um, and being pursuing and being being my best self. So um, really kudos to them. But really what inspires me is really like everyone winning together and, and not worrying about, you know, stepping on each other, um, you know, being stepped on, uh, stepping on someone else, but really just giving it all, um, you know, to the best of our capabilities that we, we and the gifts that we've been given um, and using that to better others. Um, so, yeah. That's an awesome answer. So we came right exactly one hour, Mark, when you finished. Impeccable timing. One more comment there. You got one more comment there. Got one more comment. Sorry. Yep. Uh, let's see. Oh, GM. Uh, sorry, we have Gamma's basically says the 1986 PSA Jordan is too volatile for me, and I'm just a, a wuss. Wuss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have. I can't even afford a picture of a picture of that card. So let's just let's just say I'm the one that's actually the bigger wuss. Um, but I mentioned to everyone who's watching, we have uh, the Sports Card Virtual Expo on June 19th and 20th. So please come back to that. Hannah, if you have time, please check yeah. out uh, the Sports Card Expo. Oh, we have Bobby Burrell coming up on June 22nd. He has uh, apparently has an app and a book coming out or an ebook coming out. So we'll be talking to him about that. And then we have a more exciting shows coming and uh, more uh, female collectors will be. Yeah, wait, don't forget next future. week. Next week, meet Sam from Women of the Hobby will be on our show. Yes. Oh, wow. I missed that entirely. Thank you. This is why I have a partner. Um, Sam from Women of the Hobby will be on next week, and then Bobby Burrell will be on June twenty second. So we're allowed to slip up. It's a live show. Where it yeah. just makes us humble, right? Exactly. Exactly. And we have one final comment from our good friend Jeremy. Great show, guys. Love your approach to the hobby and having you in it, Hannah. So there you go. You have another fan. So hang out there, Hannah. We're just going to say goodbye to all our friends, and then we'll say goodbye to you off camera, and we'll take it from there. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thanks for watching. Bye.